0: And just after uh, eleven o'clock in the morning, Doctor Payne's show. Doctor Lou is here after uh, a busy week, my friend. Your phone calls, of course, will be taking those throughout the next two hours. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale week. There was things that have happened. What's going on? We got a guest today, by the way. We do well, have a guest.
1: Cool. Yes, we have uh, my mentor, Doctor David Greif, the guy that taught me everything, or at least helped me to go on to learn as much as I have. He was uh, uh, when I was a student at UFT. I was uh, shadowing with Doctor Greif. Uh, and it was there that I decided I wanted to get into healthcare and chiropractic. And so, yeah, we have Dr. David Greif here today. He, he's a chiropractor. He also uh, practices acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine that he studied in
0: Sri Lanka back in the 90s. Right, Dr. Greif? That's right. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. No problem. Can I just mention on the side that I recognized his name as soon as we walked in? That is the the family name of Greif being Greif Bagels, right, in the city. <laughs> just an absolute institution <laughs> yeah. in this town. That's right. It I'm is. hungry already. Yeah, for There for you sure. go.
2: Yeah. What I'll mention there is uh, we have a lot of uh, people in the family who are doctors. We mm-hmm. have um, people who are heads of departments in various hospitals with the name Greif. But if you mention the name, people only think about bacon. <laughs> <There he goes. laughs> See, it's who yeah. you
0: walked in, right? Yeah, for right? sure. So what have we got going on?
1: Uh, well, I wanted, uh, Dr. Greif has a lot of experience. He's been practicing since 92,
2: 93?
1: 92, yeah. 92, uh, and he's gone through a ton of... Uh, interesting cases. Some of the early interesting cases that I saw uh, were with Dr. Greif. Uh, some neurological stuff, like the pronator drift patient, uh, which again is a neurological sign uh, that we can pick up with our testing to determine that there's maybe something going on in the spinal cord or brain, some type of problem. So, uh, Dr. Greif, if you have any uh, interesting cases that you can think of from over the years, I, you know, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear them.
2: There are so many people I could. <laughs> talk about. But um, most recently, uh, someone came to me who had been in uh, quite a serious car accident. And uh, unfortunately, she um, ran out of coverage through the insurance. And uh, she was still very motivated to heal from her injuries, Um, still very, very impaired. And, you know, we can't always do something for someone else. And my um, impression was immediately that I had to help her find a way to to get herself back. And um, so I said that I probably wouldn't be doing a lot of hands-on work, but what I would be doing would be helping her to learn to move again. Right. And because I've been uh, practicing and studying and teaching Tai Chi since 1991, I thought that would be a great uh, way to uh, spend time with her. Uh, Rather than using passive care and and doing something for her, um, I... I'm directing her through a process of of learning to move hmm. uh, gracefully, yep. uh, carefully, mindfully. All the the new buzzwords that we have are ancient concepts on health and movement, right. and um, it's amazing. I mean, she she the very first time that we did this, she walked in very hunched, uh, very impaired, very crippled. And she walked out and you would swear it was a different person entirely. Right. It was a a really, for me, even even knowing what the power of this kind of movement can do, it was absolutely a um, a miraculous effect. And um, I think that's probably one thing that I would really like to impart is that people can really help themselves if they understand how to do it, if they understand um, how much power they have for their own healing that it can be uh, used.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's I mean, a concept. And, and you've said that so many times so on the show. It's, yeah. you know,
2: I can get you so far, but you have to yeah.
1: it's the, be part of this. the active right? component, and yeah. that's what Dr. Greif's talking about here. There's the passive stuff that the professionals can do with you, and you do need professionals to guide you even through the active component. Uh, but, you know, people, I've always told every patient that I have, you can come see me for an hour, even two hours every single day, but you would still have 23, 22 hours in the day that yeah. you're going to be with your body. And if you don't do the right things, then it really doesn't matter what we can do for an hour or two hours in a day. You have to learn, uh, you have to be educated so that you understand what's potentially harmful, what's good for you. Uh, And a lot of times those things, although they may make sense, uh, oftentimes don't. There's some things, we often talk about a concept of hurt versus harm. And so sometimes people are afraid to do things uh, that hurt them, but they're not necessarily harmful Uh, and vice versa. They'll do things that don't hurt them, but are harmful. And and I guess a good example of that is people who um, have things like disc herniations and they'll want to sit for a lot of the day just because of the uncomfortable nature but that sitting component can actually be quite harmful versus when you try to get them to do exercises and they go through a little bit of a hurt component well that hurt has to happen and most people that have worked out understand that beneficial type of hurt that's actually uh, good for our bodies that gets us stronger so the active component is so big and and I know Dr. Greif has always been an advocate of of active care for for patients And, and it's so extremely important that people have to be willing to do it for themselves. And I think I've even mentioned that uh, one of my first clinicians, when I was uh, about to graduate, one of the first things he said to us was that you can only help somebody as much as they want to help themselves. Uh, and and that's kind of the role that we have to fill. We do our best to to try to help everybody, but some people are just their own worst enemies. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, our job is really to try to help them get over that hurdle as well, and maybe make them realize that.
0: I would never realize that Tai Chi would be a part of that, uh, you know, part of that plan as well. It's the first time I've heard of it.
2: Right, uh, it's growing in um, research uh, evidence, and um, well, I was on it a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, big time. <laughs> um, my first uh, email address had the word tai chiropractor in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's got a good ring to it, right? Yeah. Let's take a, a short break, guys. Our first one of the morning here. We're here for two hours today. Your phone calls, of course, four one six. 870-6400-STAR-640-ON-SELL, on cell doctor Payne. And the Dr. Payne Show is right on right now. Talk radio, AM 640. Two hours today, 1113, Dr. Payne Show, 416 870 6400 star 640 on cell. You got Payne's uh, concerns, health concerns, bring them on. We'd love to talk to you, both doctors here. Uh, Dr. Greif is a special guest with uh, Luigi as well today. Got uh, Brad on the line. Hey, Brad, what is happening? Weird pain, I see. <laughs> yeah, how's it going?
3: Um, yeah, I'm a young guy. I'm like 22. I don't smoke or anything. Okay. I mean, sometimes, like, it's on and off. When I lay down for a little bit, I get a pain. I was always in the exact same spot, the pain in my chest, about uh, three inches uh, below my collarbone. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I sit up for a couple minutes, gone. And then I lay back down, 20 minutes later, the pain will show back up again.
1: Okay. When did this start, uh, Brad?
3: Two years ago, maybe. I don't know. I I just never get around to to talking to someone about it.
1: And so you've never had this checked out whatsoever?
3: Uh, I mean, I went in and talked to somebody about it and they said, uh, they didn't really know what it was. They didn't... <laughs>
1: That's good advice. Perfect. (laughs) I'm not really sure. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, this hurts. I'm not sure what it is. You can leave now. (laughs) Have a nice day. Uh, What side is it on, Brad? Uh,
3: Left-hand side, about uh, two inches below the uh, center of my chest and about three inches down from the top of my collarbone.
1: Okay. So anytime we're talking about left-sided stuff, obviously one of the things that you always want to consider is heart stuff, which, I mean, you're young, so it's not as likely, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible. Uh, And, you know, in ruling out Cardiovascular stuff, where you're looking at the heart and the lung on that side, and if you're able to rule out those things, oftentimes what's left behind is uh, musculoskeletal issues, and sometimes um, you know things like a rib issue. And I and I actually myself had a, re- a rib issue this week that I got Doctor Greif to treat from the wedding that I was at last week. So <laughs> that was um, the buffet, or like your internal ribs. Yeah, no, the okay. Internal. Just making sure <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
1: it, it felt like a rib was out. So yeah, I had some treatment, but yeah, I, oftentimes those types of things, Doctor Greif. Do you have any insight on this?
2: So what we know is um, mechanical pain uh, can show up from postural stress and so on So it sounds like when you're lying down Maybe there's a, a lack of compliance in your upper part of your back The thoracic spine might be a little bit stiff The, uh, the ribs where they attach around to the front Could be getting a little bit compressed And um, sometimes this is a very simple thing to, yeah. to fix uh, I'd ask you, have you tried doing any stretching for your upper body?
3: Uh, I used to have massage therapy for my shoulders, and they kind of had stretching that they provided through through that. That I kind of I stretch out when I feel the pain. Yeah. And yeah, it helps helps relieve when I sit up, and uh, I don't. Know, it's just that weird that it never affects me during my day to day life. Right. When I lay down. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night with the pain. I'll sit up for a few minutes and then gone, lay back down and sleep through the rest of the night.
1: Okay. Any difficulty with uh, taking deep breaths in, Brad?
3: Um sometimes when like when i have the pain but after like after it clears up everything
2: is clear mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you could also get referred pain from uh, a place in your neck somewhere in the middle to the lower part of your neck that can actually refer to the the chest right it has yeah. a fancy name they call it cervicogenic pseudo angina yeah it just means chest pain that comes from the neck yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot easier yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything's got to so, have a medical term totally. to it John. Yeah. <laughs> so um having someone who specializes in physical rehabilitation uh take a good look at the function of your joints of your neck and your upper back and your shoulders they could probably identify an an area that uh is responsible for that so,
1: so yeah, Brad, for sure, this is something that we would be well-equipped at our clinic to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're interested, give us a call, uh, free consultation with me. Uh, we can go through a little, you know, more in-depth uh, type of an assessment to try to rule out some other things. And then uh, if it is, again, musculoskeletal, which is, it, it is likely sounding that way and also based on your age, obviously we have to... Uh, do our due diligence to make sure that that's the case Uh, but definitely something that you can get rid of and you don't have to be living with this and this doesn't have to be long-term either a lot of this type of stuff too is uh, getting some passive intervention uh, to remove the irritation but then a lot of it the way we started the show was talking about the active things that you can do and so um you know some strengthening some stretching depending on the areas that we find to be uh tight or too loose respectively we'll make recommendations okay brad all right okay We'll
0: get uh, to Steve quickly here. Steve, you got about a minute before we go. What? Uh, what's your concern? Hey, Steve. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Good. What's uh, What's up okay. with you, Steve? Uh, Six
4: forty. My favorite station. Nice. Uh, you know, I, I I don't turn a TV on anymore because uh, <laughs> what's happening is my left ear keeps ringing. I, I wonder if it's from thinking too much. <laughs> it's, uh, I just I lost my spleen in eighty nine in, in a car accident. And ever since my health has been down downhill, I haven't been able to work. So uh, I basically sit in my room all day and stare at the walls, and I'm I'm like going crazy. Like I'm not, you know, I'm just thinking too much. And and uh, I just heard you talking about Tai Chi, and I'm really interested mm-hmm. in that kind of uh, uh, like. It's almost like meditation. A tai mm-hmm. Chi means. Uh, projecting energy is it i think i got too much energy stored in me that i i, I don't know how to let it out
2: yeah uh, there there's a lot to talk about here but basically getting moving would be a great thing for you you um, a lot you do walk a lot yeah oh that's that's terrific yeah getting outside getting uh, a little sunshine on your skin getting some vitamin d um you know, there's just there's there's so many things that you can talk about as far as uh, improving your health. Um, but certainly sitting um in your room is uh unlikely to be one of the, the path forward yeah, right
1: yeah for sure and we were just talking about this on our way here but i think we have to take a break mm-hmm. right john no. well and then we'll touch on this but the the mind and we've talked about this a lot how important the mind is in, in pain management
0: and more your phone calls 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell it's a dr Payne show talk radio am 640 Eleven twenty-three, hour one here the dr Payne show dr david greif is here our uh, guest along with you Dr. Lou, the phone calls always. Uh, Tony, how are you, pal? You're on.
4: Fine, thank you. Fine, thank you.
0: What's going on I, with you?
4: My, my wife has a sciatic nerve that, man, I'm you, some days it's a pain in her behind, man.
0: Literally. Literally, <laughs> right.
4: I'm um, telling you, what kind of exercise or what can she do?
0: Right.
1: So one of the things um, when we talk about, like, sciatica, which is a, often a term that gets thrown around, that tells us that the sciatic nerve is irritated, Uh, And then the next thing that we have to try to figure out is why is the sciatic nerve irritated? Could it be a muscle causing pressure on the nerve? Could it be something like a disc herniation? Uh, Could it be something more serious? So those are the types of things that you have to figure out. That's just uh, what we would call a clinical sign that knowing that somebody has uh, what we call radicular features in that nerve. Uh, And so what we have to figure out again, Tony, is trying to figure out what's the cause of that. And then in finding out the cause, I often say once you know the diagnosis, that's when you can make treatment recommendations. So there'd be no justice done to just saying, you know, here's kind of an exercise that you can do for a sciatic nerve irritation, because it would be different from individual to individual, depending on what the potential cause of that irritation is. Um, Dr. Greff, do you want to add anything to that?
2: A lot of times um, things are lumped together as far as sciatica. Yeah. So uh, anything from a strain to a disc herniation or potentially something more serious like a tumor yeah. could cause pain like that. Um, but the less serious things, including a disc herniation, are generally self-limited and will have a period of a natural history where there'll be pain and then diminishing pain and then gradually resolution. Yeah. It really, okay. if you could tell me how long she's had it, I'd have an idea of maybe a little bit more. Uh, but
4: you know what? It, it's about two years. She had a car accident. Yeah. Huh. She had a car accident, and then she slipped on the ice. Uh, or I'm trying to catch her balance. Mm. Broke her legs, and it's like ah, it's just it runs from her from it runs from her below her uh, her back all the way down to her legs.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would say if if she hasn't had a, a thorough uh, investigation um, with imaging and and uh, clinical examination, then that should be done to to identify what the problem is.
1: Yeah, for sure. She's
4: been, she's been going to get uh, what do you call it, nerve blocks or something like that,
2: mm-hmm.
4: to alleviate the pain. Okay. Uh, I I don't know She's she so she often. She has to go to get a nerve or a, a, a nerve block, and I don't know.
1: Yeah. So yeah, and and when you're getting a nerve block, that kind of indicates that the nerve is irritated. Do you know where the nerve block is happening? Likely right at the spine level. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, again, that that's kind of uh, the the mystery for, is trying to figure out exactly what the source of pain is. Um, yes. And then one of the things that we've often talked about is that you can have something called. Um, neuropathic pain where the pain signals can be learned and they kind of exist in the absence of a true uh, physical problem and, and that's a whole other area of treatment just on its own with with trying to treat the mind as well. Um, So okay. yeah, th- it's it's very complicated, Tony, in terms of just a simple, quick solution. And obviously, uh, I think everyone can appreciate. You know, we I can't just give you one quick thing, and that's going to exactly. be the be all end all. But uh, if yeah. if your wife's interested, we'd be more than happy to to take a look at her case uh, and and have a second opinion on what's going on and maybe some recommendations there.
5: Okay, uh, the number, I can
1: I get a number? Yeah, one eight five 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 D R L O U.
6: F-I-T-R-L-O-U.
0: Yeah, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou is basically uh, what it is. Mitch, how are you? Hey.
6: Not too bad.
0: What's Not happening good.
6: with you? <laughs> um, I uh, I tend to get a lot of indigestion, a lot of kind of heartburn, and I know uh, it runs in my family in terms of kind of temperamental stomachs. But uh, I I've, I'm only twenty four. I've had it for quite a bit, but um, I get like a lot, like a lot of indigestion, and and I take maybe one pack of Tums a day or uh, a month like one of those large packs of Tums of the extra strength pills and i went to my family's physician and you know you just kind of you didn't make it seem like it was that big of a deal but the amount of Tums that i'm eating is is record holding
1: what's right. your diet like mitch uh
6: i i do eat fairly healthy um like a balance of fruits and vegetables in the mornings as, and throughout the day but um, you know, at times I'll, I'll splurge and I'll get something that right. isn't as healthy. Mm-hmm. I do find um, tomato sauces really terrible. Like they, they seem to really Acidic, stir it up. Yeah, the,
1: potentially the acidity. Yeah.
6: And, um, and I also find that um, not, not greasy food like like French fries and, and things like that, but um, fatty greasy foods like ground beef seems to, to really do it. Yeah, um, so yeah. Like tacos, things like that that really can mess it up.
2: Okay, Mitch. I'll give you. This is Dr. Greif. I'll just give you a, a quick rundown on uh, the dietary therapy according to Chinese medicine because mm-hmm. it, it really is uh, the basis for all of the Chinese medical treatment, and it it is it really applies here. Uh, so the the stomach is um, considered to be like a soup pot, and you have to cook up the the food and then uh, vaporize it into energy. That's how they view the digestive system, and if you're putting in foods that are What they call dampening. So that's um, foods that are uh, sweet and sour, like tomatoes, Mm -hmm. or greasy foods, or really cold foods. So if you're eating yogurt out of the fridge, all those things are dampening foods. And it's very hard to cook that stuff up for digestion. Mm. So a, a complete food diary for a week would be useful bring it to someone who knows what they're yeah. doing yeah. and get that get your diet reshaped for a while feed yourself i like to tell people feed yourself like you're an infant just starting to introduce solid foods right. if you do that again start from the beginning you'll do much better. Good.
0: Your phone calls is 416-870-6400 star 640 on sale. Dr. Greif is here and of course Dr. Lou here until 1 o'clock to take your phone calls and your health concerns. Bring it on. The Dr. Payne Show. Talk radio. AM 640. 1132 hour one of the Dr. Payne Show. If you haven't noticed we're going right to 1 o'clock. This extra hour we do this once in a while and we love it. Got Dr. Uh, David Greif in here as well with you uh, Dr. Lou. So we're going to talk uh Mindful stuff. Yeah, for sure. And uh, as we were driving here, Dr. Greif
1: and I were discussing, and we've discussed this at length on the show for sure, uh, the role that the mind plays in pain management and how Mm -hmm. very important it is. Uh, But Dr. Greif was talking about uh, a lot of interesting things that uh, uh, he's looked into, which I was hoping you could share with uh, the listeners.
2: I'd love to. (laughs) So there's a concept known as uh, pain centralization. And that means, can, there's two different versions of that, but the one that I'm referring to is when pain be, takes up residence in the brain. And uh, so you may have had an injury at one point, but that injury, the tissues may have healed, but the pain hasn't gone away. Right. And the proof of this, if anybody doubts that, is phantom pain, yep. phantom limb pain. You can have pain in a foot that doesn't exist. A foot could have been amputated and you could still feel a real pain in that foot because that that piece of your body is still represented in your brain. That part didn't go away. Yep. So it's very possible. And what some neurologists will say is that all pain in a way is phantom pain because right. it's all a representation in the brain. Yep. Uh, we do have, as as I'm sure Dr. Liu has mentioned before, no susceptive pain. That's where you touch the stove and you feel pain right away. Right. That's a protective mechanism and not having that, in fact, is an impairment. Yeah. Uh, in leprosy, people have a loss of that pain sensation, and part of the reason that people will lose tips of fingers and so on in leprosy is a loss of nerve function and also a loss of pain sensation, so there's no protective mechanism. Pain can be protective. It can also turn back on the host. Yeah. So when pain takes up residence in the brain, it uh, it actually invades an area called the anterior cingulate cortex. It's a part in the in the cerebral cortex, that sits right next to an area that's responsible for your imagination, visualization. And if you're in pain for a long time, your ability to be creative will diminish gradually as pain takes over that area of your brain. Yeah. The active part, the way to get back at it is to use your imagination. And one simple way to do that is um, by breathing into the pain, by imagining that you're filling a b- balloon where the pain is. And I like to tell people, fill a, a red balloon, a bright red balloon. And when you breathe out, breathe out that redness. And when you breathe in, it's now a light red balloon and breathe out that. And then it becomes a pink balloon and breathe out the pink. And then it becomes a white balloon and breathe out and use visualization, imagination, imagery, and you'll, for most people they have a very powerful ability to eliminate pain at least temporarily Mm -hmm. the key is though if you can eliminate it temporarily it means it can go away right Um, I've had chronic pain in the neck after a bike accident and it went on for quite a while and I developed my own techniques that have now been proven in other research studies to be a valid method right Um, I came to it on my own and I know that it works Mm -hmm. I know that using your imagination and using your willpower to focus on relieving your pain and not causing yourself pain. That's another big part of it. When people have chronic pain, they often will check on it like a friend. Yeah. Are you still there? Yeah. Are you still there? Oh, Are yeah. you That's still right. there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And training yourself not to look in for the pain, not to look into it, not to try to find it yeah. can really help. Well, it's
1: n- it's not uncommon, and I think you'd agree with this, Dr. Greif, that I've had a lot of patients who will talk to me about some type of pain that they have and one of the questions that we like to ask are relieving factors. What are things that make it better? And and it's not uncommon to hear, you know, if I'm doing something and I'm not thinking about it, yeah. it seems to be fine. And that whole concept of distraction, like not checking in on it, like it's your little brother or something, uh, really does help. And it is and it is a very important technique. And what you touched on with uh, the abit- ability to lose imagination, another thing that's not uncommon is I've met many people who have fallen into chronic pain Um and you're seeing them when they're kind of at the bottom of everything. Their their life has spiraled downwards. And I, I've met people who prior to being in whatever accident that led to chronic pain were high level executives or a high level professional, really great lives, and everything after that just kind of went uh, downhill, uh, and and the reason is is like you mentioned that that ability to lose the imagination, they their life gets focused in on on just that pain, and that's all that they're thinking about. The other thing that we sometimes have to consider is is, and I think you agree with this, Doctor Greif, Some people uh, like having a crutch in their lives, something that they can blame everything on, saying, "Oh well, I'm in pain, so I can't do that." And there's a uh, plenty of people that I know that I've seen, and I and I know that you've seen that um, actually want to be in pain they almost don't want to get better because uh, it's that secondary gain component they can be off of work or uh, get some type of compensation from some type of an insurance etc cetera, etc cetera.
2: it does it is true and it's very sad to me that 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 is the case because yep. you know you don't get a day back that you waste that's right and yep. and so much time is wasted on focusing on on your misery. And Mm -hmm. you know what, even if things are great, you can find something to complain about, but why? Exactly. Mm. Um, A lot of times looking too deeply at yourself can be a source of problem and getting out and doing something for someone else can help people who are in pain.
1: So volunteering, things like that, right? Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing for sure uh, that uh, um, I know a family member of mine that was going through uh, some chronic issues started volunteering, doing things like that, and she found that she was getting better, just like you said, by being out there, doing stuff for others, uh, and trying to uh, change. I also think that serves as distraction to a way, right? You don't dwell on it, right? You're not not dwelling on it, but yeah, the mind is so, so very powerful, and it's often a piece of of the puzzle in pain management that's forgotten um, is we're always focusing on you know what type of chemical intervention can we have, yeah. what type of physical intervention can we have, but we often forget to talk about what type of psychological uh, things can we do. And it doesn't have to be overly elaborate either. A lot of what we try to do in the office is combine these things uh, with our natural approach to try to help people to distract and give them this advice. Obviously, when we identify people who um, it's a little bit more serious and needs more of a professional approach, then we'll make that right recommendation to the right professional because we're not psychologists, but definitely we are trained uh, in order to identify when it's at a point that does need the referral.
0: And I would imagine that the longer the pain goes on, the more that that factor becomes... Delight, yeah. right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Longer you sure. carry on the the pain, the worse it gets. Yeah, right? for
1: sure. Chronic yeah. issues, it's always I've told anybody that I see when they come in and it's like I've had this for ten years. I always say, Well, it's gonna be easier to treat if this was only ten days old. So yep. ten years we're working against ten years of uh of that potential phantom quote unquote pain that that does exist. And phantom limb pain is is a very real thing. And uh the good news is there are ways to to get around it for sure, but the person has to wanna uh, make that change, and it's not easy. It's definitely not easy, and the people need to want to get better.
0: Got lots of uh, open lines. You want to uh, talk to either doctor here? We'd love to have you on the Dr. Payne Show. 416 870 6400-STAR-640 on cell. It is the Dr. Payne Show right till 1 o'clock this afternoon. Talk radio, AM 640. 1143 on your Saturday here till 1 o'clock. The Dr. Payne Show. Dr. David Greif is here, our guest along with uh, with you, Dr. Lou, and we get to the phone calls as always. 416 870 6400-STAR-640 on cell. Leo, how are you?
7: Well, not too good.
0: What happened to you, pal?
7: Uh, I got run over by a truck years ago. It uh, broke everything. Uh, I initially was in the hospital for four months. Took me another year to walk again. But uh, the membrane in between where my pelvic bone meets my lower sacrum area, supposedly suppose I was told by specialists, got severe arthritis all through there.
8: Okay. Right.
0: Okay.
7: And uh, heat helps. I I have heat pads. Plus, I go for aquatherapy, uh, whirlpool. The jets seem to help loosen everything up. And I, I get a massage usually about once a month to help that. Plus, I'm on pain medication.
1: Mm-hmm. And and um, Leo, you're I I'm assuming in a lot of pain day to day.
9: Constantly. Yeah.
1: yeah. So so in in things like this that you know, or have happened so long ago. And and this kind of ties back to what we were touching on that a lot of the times when you have injuries such as this, which is a very unfortunate injury, obviously, and and obviously easy to understand why you're in so much pain. uh, The best way sometimes to intervene is through uh, the mind, because it'll be very hard to make um, a lot of change uh, from the physical aspect of things. And, uh, and we were just, uh, Dr. Greif and I, before we went on break, we're talking about how, um, when you actually change the way you think, you change chemicals in your brain. And do you want to just explain that a little further, Dr. Greif?
2: Yeah, we know that, uh, there are pain relieving chemicals that are produced in the brain, uh, known as endorphins. Uh, there are other stronger acting, longer acting chemicals also. And, um, you know you might you might still even um at this point uh have an experience of that you know the the times where you feel maybe closer to normal or or a little bit better or a little relief or you're not aware of the pain so much your brain is trying to produce these chemicals to uh, to give you relief um we know that uh, long term use of uh, analgesics narcotics opioids can affect the way that your brain produces those endogenous chemicals so in a negative way in a negative way unfortunately oh. it's a it's a double edged sword because not taking pain relievers you feel pain but taking pain relievers you limit your body's own ability to produce those those. Did you just relievers. say you kind of
0: make your body lazy because you're taking, you know, is that what it is? Uh, ex- a,
2: a good analogy would be when athletes take steroids, um, what happens is they reduce their body's need. So the feedback mechanism tells the, the testicles they don't need to produce testosterone again, anymore. Right. And athletes often will end up with shriveled testicles if they've taken anabolic steroids.
7: Yeah. Yes. Believe, believe me, I've I've tried the whole gamut the past ten years. Aqua, uh, yeah. uh, acupuncture, everything. Yeah. Sure. And I've even done meditation and yoga and everything. Like I said, like days like today, like with all the dampness and everything. You know, sometimes I can't even get out of bed. I I crawl out just to get into a hot bath with Epsom salts. That's how bad it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and for sure, no. The the thing about all this stuff is. Um, one, one of the things that, and probably not your fault, but a lot of these things should try to be done together. A lot of times you'll hear people say, I tried this, then I tried that, then I tried that. A lot of these types of interventions, especially for an injury, uh, such as yours, Leo kind of need to be done together. And, and the other reality that I think sometimes that, you know, it's easy when people are diagnosed with say something like diabetes, they accept that they have diabetes for the rest of their life. Right. Pain is very similar to any other health concern. You likely, when, are, when you're diagnosed with some type of pain, you likely will have a bit of that pain for the rest of your life. So it's more about management. So unfortunately, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, similar to people who are diabetic that will have uh, better days than other days. It's just about how do you manage it? How do you go forward managing it to keep it at, uh, under control uh, and understanding that, coming to grips with that, to, to understand this is something that I, I, I have that I'm going to, take care of and do things day to day you can't just um especially on the cognitive side of things you can't just meditate for a day or two days and expect that that's going to work that that process has to be continuous it has to be a lifestyle change that happens in order for those types of things to really be effective long term to help again not cure the pain but at the very least help manage it to keep it at a level where uh you can function Gina, oh. so oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I
0: was going to say we'll just take uh, oh, before okay. I get to uh, Doctor Greif. Gina, we have just got about a minute here. I know you've been waiting for a while. You want to uh, tell us what's going on?
8: Um, yes. Um, good morning. I have a uh, frozen shoulder, and I'm looking into a procedure called Trigenics. I wanted to understand <laughs> um, if you have a take on that.
0: You yeah. guys both nod your heads going. Well, yeah. Doctor
1: Greif practices Trigenics, so I think oh. he can he can answer that very well.
2: Yeah, so there's been uh, some recent uh, advances, uh, I'll put that in quotes just just in case um <laughs> because I can't I can't uh, vouch for it entirely. But uh some recent um, developments that suggest that there are uh, faster ways to resolve frozen shoulder. Normally the cycle for frozen shoulder is a uh, a freezing a frozen and a thawing phase which takes about 18 months. Mhm. Um Trigenics may be able to get you through that a lot faster. Yeah. Um if you're being asked to uh to lay out a large sum of money, I would ask for a guarantee. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank all right. you very much. Well if yeah. you're
1: interested, Gina, come by the clinic. Again, Dr. Greif practices that and I think we all practice the same way where we have a lot of different tools uh and we'll combine those different tools. So uh we never just tell people here's the only thing you're gonna get, but it's part of a of a bigger plan.
0: Just on the side, Gina, one 855 55 Lou that's D-R-L-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. I want to send uh, Dr. Lou an email. We'll continue here and uh, finish off hour one of the Dr. Pain Show. We're going to, as you know, right to one o'clock right here. Talk radio, AM 640. 1153, hour one of the Dr. Pain Show. We'll get to a couple phone calls. And of course, the second hour is coming up as well. Uh, Ross, good afternoon or good morning. Anyway, how are you?
5: Not bad. Yourself?
0: Good. What's going good. on with you?
5: Uh, I was diagnosed with multiple epiceal dysplasia in my late teen years. Um, I've had two hip replacements, one when I was 21, and my second one was done last year, beginning of last year. Um, It's a condition that affects most of my joints. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the weather really affects it, makes it more painful. And also when I'm active as well, I get incredibly stiff and extremely painful. And I've been on pain medication for... About half my life, ever since I was about 20 years old, and over time I built up a tolerance. Mm-hmm. So, just in the past couple of years, my family doctor increased my my amount, um, and like that just barely gets me by. You know what I mean? Like I still experience pain with the, the pain medication, and without it, it's like my my life is living hell. You know. Mm-hmm. And I've seen uh, pain management doctors at St. Michael's. Like I've tried every possible option I have um they put me on other analgesics like anti-inflammatories and other psychotic antipsychotic um medication but I just got all the side effects of that and like i'm I'm looking for a solution if you if you have any recommendations
1: yeah it's it's, a, it's not not easy for sure what you have going on and uh uh you've kind of been through a lot of different types of therapies. Um, Again, my my big thing that I'm always kind of an advocate for is when you've done a lot of interventions on the chemical and physical side, the other option is intervening on the the cognitive side. But I'll turn it over. Dr. Greif, do you have anything that that you can think of?
2: Well, the only uh, chemical uh, approach that I would uh, question about is, has anyone suggested um, trying the uh, cannabidiol, the CBD from the... uh,
5: well, that's the thing. Like the uh, pain clinic, they just uh, prescribe me with the cannabis. And yeah. So I have been taking that. Um, I don't find the CBD really. I get much relief from it. more More okay. THC, kind of get my mind off it. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like, um. So other than that, like, like my family doctor started me on like I've, I looked at analgesics. I've done my research and I pretty much stopped started at the top
1: mm-hmm.
5: with um, Percocet, right?
1: Right, okay.
5: Um, the opioid family, so... How old are you, I, I'm Ross? A, I'm 30, 37 years old. Okay. So I don't see me going back to the lower-level uh, medications for pain relief, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've built up such a tolerance, and them, so... Like, my body's pretty much dependent on this medication. Yeah. Fun- it, function, right?
2: I would say, Ross, that it might be the road back is to start to move back away. Mm-hmm. Um, and and see if your, yeah, your own endogenous system will pick up a little bit. Yeah.
0: Um, would Ross be? I, would you be a candidate for CBT of any degree? Or is he?
1: Well, I think there's always a, a level of um, of therapy for the mind that can play a role. But I, I think what Dr. Greif is touching on is that the same way you can be weaned onto things, you can also wean yourself right. off of things. And and start to remove that. So that may not be a bad approach, like Dr. Greif is suggesting, where you try to move backwards slowly uh, and try to involve more of your body's natural ability. Come at it from a different angle. These things, yeah, for sure.
0: We'll try to get to uh, Vince. Hey, Vince, before the uh, before we wrap for this hour, you got about a minute. What's going on with you?
9: Hi there. Um, Good afternoon or good morning. Um, It's just something that's uh, been kind of annoying me for a few years now and doctors have been to, haven't figured it out what it is. My left foot, my left toe feels like it's like a slight pain and a slight um, feels like it's sleepy and the foot the left foot uh, below the ankle feels a bit um, numb at times, especially when I sit down Mm -hmm. for a long period of time Mm -hmm. and uh, Even when I lay down, if I lay down on my back, it feels odd, but I have to turn around on my stomach when I'm sleeping. And then after, when I'm sleeping and then I wake up, I don't feel any uh, discomfort. But when I, uh, after I I lay there for a little bit, then it starts to, to bother me a bit. So it's been ongoing for three years. I've had ultrasound done on it and other tests, but... They haven't been fi- able to figure
1: it out why. So, Vince, have they only been looking at the foot in, in all of these tests that you've had done? Uh,
9: the leg and the foot.
1: Yeah. So, uh, And so it's a numbness? You get kind of a numbness feeling sometimes?
9: Yeah, numbness, tingling yeah, sometimes.
1: So, so those, uh, again, are yeah. neurological uh, types of symptoms that would suggest some type of a nerve issue. Uh, and similar to when we were talking to the person about sciatica... Um, irritation of a nerve we have to try to figure out where the nerve could be irritated your nerve could be irritated as high as your low back or potentially even higher in the spinal cord somewhere causing uh, n- uh the only symptom that you feel being numbness in the foot so oftentimes what might be done wrong is that they only are looking at the immediate era- area of complaint and not looking further right there could be other areas uh with a problem going on that uh, may be the source of the actual problem. Do you agree with that, Dr. Greg? Yeah,
2: that's, that's true. Yeah.
1: So, uh, when, the,
9: when the doctor touches my, when the, well, when I touched my toe at that spot where it feels most numb,
1: mm-hmm.
9: I could feel pain. But when I touch my other toe, it feels normal. Right. So, it's kind of odd.
1: Yeah, well, one of the things with any type of neurological issue is you can get some hypersensitivity stuff going on. And so, again, uh, that's something for us to ever be sure on anything. Uh, give us a call. We can yeah. set up that assessment. Uh, free consultations to anybody that's listening. Uh, and from there, we can make the proper recommendations. But that is something to always consider, that it could be coming from higher up than just the foot or the leg.
0: Vince, for you and everyone else, one eight five 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 Doctor 55 drlou D-R-L-O-U, and info at paincarecanada.com take a short break back into hour 2 the Dr. Payne show right across the top of the hour on Talk Radio AM 640 Getting nice and sunny out there. Second hour of the Dr. Payne show here on your Saturday. No April Fools today. This is all real help in real time and we're uh what do you want to what do you want to go now? Dr. Luke. Um
1: yeah, so we we were talking about and it would be interesting for anybody listening if they have these uh these things but we were talking about how um sometimes certain things that help one person are are just meant to help that one person and can't necessarily help everybody and we've heard uh, weird stories about people that have done something and it's helped their pain uh, but it doesn't necessarily help someone else and Dr. Greif was uh, talking about this so uh, do you want to share with us?
2: Yeah the um, science is a a very important process and uh, we certainly have advanced uh, tremendously as as a species because of science um, but science is based on the idea that things are reproducible, mm-hmm. that it doesn't—that's it, unbiased. It doesn't matter who does an experiment, it doesn't matter who's involved, that it will work. But the fact is that in health, not everything falls into that uh, right. rubric, and that's why we know that they, we do um, double-blind studies with placebo controls. And what that means is. Um, one group will get a, an actual treatment and another group will get a fake treatment, something that has no therapeutic value. And reliably, people who get the fake treatment get better to a certain extent yep. or a certain proportion get better, almost always. Now we know some people respond more to placebos and some people respond less. What I'm getting around to is there is a, um, a neuroscientist named V.S. Ramachandran who tells a, a good story about reproducibility. And he says, if I was to tell you that a, a dog speaks English, you would be skeptical, mm-hmm. but say, okay, show me that dog. And if I brought you the dog and you had a conversation in English with that dog, would it be logical to say, but that's just one, one dog. dog? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to see a hundred dogs yeah. that speak English before I believe you. Yeah. Follow of the of scientific course not. Method. Occasionally a unique uh, effect can happen in healthcare for a patient and whether that is from um, a, a, a strange treatment or a or a, a meditative technique or prayer or it doesn't whatever. matter it's possible that you can activate a healing process in your body because that's really where healing comes from it doesn't happen from a a blade or a pill it 's because something happens in your body to produce a healing effect that's right yes, so whatever will turn
0: that on is is um, is valid. Yeah. So just because yeah. it worked for one person doesn't mean you can package and label it and, and send it out to everybody and be That's a blanket true. cure. Yeah. Right?
1: And, and and our job is really kind of to uh, look at research for its general opinions. But I've had people who have come in and said, here's what I've been doing and it's been working. And although there may not be evidence to it, it's like, okay, well, if it's working, it, it touches on the placebo effect. If If the belief is there that it's working for you. You're getting better. The end goal anyways, is to get better. Does it really matter how you you kind of get there? As long as the professional is not the one trying to sell, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit against people that try to sell things that, um, scare people and scare tactics into getting better. But, you know, there's plenty of research out there that, um, I've, I heard a funny story as well, where, um, there's plenty of research out there that just, makes perfect sense and you wonder why did someone even spend the money to do this research and i remember once a colleague of mine brought me a research article making fun of this where uh it was an article about parachutes save lives out of airplanes that are going down and it's like of course they do right so there doesn't really need to be the research around that to kind of understand some of these things but uh yeah the placebo effect is huge and it uh and it needs to be used by everybody, for
0: sure. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on your cell. Got some open lines. Want to give us a call? We'd love to talk to you over the, uh, the next hour. James, good afternoon. Hi,
10: good afternoon. Uh, I have, uh, I guess I've been diagnosed recently with a condition uh, with my foot and heel pain. I, I believe it's plantar fasciitis. And uh, I've been going to uh, a whereby I've had mid orthotics. I've had uh, some acupuncture I've also had a, a – what's that machine called with the shocks? It just sort of flipped my mind. But I sort of a tendon machine. Sorry, that's what I had as well. But the pain doesn't seem to go away, especially in the morning where I'm literally limping out of my bed. Mm-hmm. It gets better throughout the day. Uh, I haven't really done anything to, to get it in the first place, like any sports or anything that I that would aggravate it. And I just wanted to know what am I looking at as far as, you know, long-term prognosis.
1: Right. I'll let Dr. Greif take this because not only has he treated a lot of foot issues, he's had a lot himself.
2: That's <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, for the most part in my experience, plantar fasciitis uh, can be self-limiting and that is that it goes on and on and on and you think it's never going away and then you forget about it and it's it's gone. So <laughs> how long have you had it?
10: It's been about a month okay. and I, ha- so and I, I haven't changed do. any footwear or anything like that. So there's nothing, like I usually try to retrace my steps and there's just nothing that comes to mind that any injury that something that may have aggravated it. Yeah.
2: No, th- this is something that's very common. Um, stretching your calf, doing some rolling on a ball or a bottle for your foot to stretch out the, the ligament can be very helpful. Icing your foot. You know, all those things, they, they certainly can be helpful. Mm-hmm. It will go away eventually. My own experience recently, I had <laughs> plantar fasciitis and uh, on the squash court uh, a couple weeks ago it it ruptured oh i don't recommend it but the no. pain went away immediately <laughs> we'll take <laughs> so. that's that's another way around it we'll take
0: a, a short break guys on more of your phone calls just ahead got open lines 416-870-6400 Star 640 on cell as well, the Dr. Pain Show. It's talk radio, Mayhem 640. It is 12, 14, hour two here. the Dr. Pain Show. Reminder anytime, uh, info at com is email address and one eight five 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 855 55 drlou D-R-L-O-U. That's to get a hold of you and your team at the clinic. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about acupuncture. Yeah,
1: well, we have a, a bit of an expert here, so I think we should take advantage of that. Uh, Dr. Greif, can you walk us through a little bit about acupuncture, kind of its... A little bit, a brief history, because obviously the history is very lengthy. But uh, uh, and then some of its indications that it's used for.
2: Okay, so first of all, I just want to uh, clear the record here. I am a chiropractor, and in our scope of practice, acupuncture is included. Yep. So I am not a, a, a acupuncturist. That's right, yep. because that's a regulated term under yep. the College of Traditional Chinese mm-hmm. Medicine. But I have been practicing for twenty five years. Yep. So I have some experience with acupuncture. Yep. Uh, it It dates back very early on. The uh, yellow emperor of China uh, wrote about it in a, a dialogue on internal medicine it It, uh, it may be twenty five hundred years old that that wow. document it may be older wow. uh, it 's hard to to place the time exactly um, but it's it 's placed in the whole context of Chinese medicine, which uh, is a system that understands that nothing is disconnected that the mind and body are are the same thing right that the environment and the body interact intimately that sounds and flavors and um colors all interact mm-hmm. with us in you know, a very intimately so acupuncture as it's often practiced in the west is a modality it's um it's something that's done like ultrasound like tens Mm-hmm. Um, like stretching, sure. um, just as a, a standalone sort of approach to treatment, but Another that's a tool, yeah. yeah, a tool. But that's yeah. not really where it came from, it came and that's from. not how it is really uh, approached from a traditional standpoint. However, even in that very limited way that it's approached in the West, it has dramatic effects for pain relief. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it it may. Um, I had a case of. Uh, a blacksmith who uh, was um had had overuse injury of his wrist and he it was so stiff and so painful when he moved you could hear a squeaking sound wow. in his in his forearm as he moved his wrist and so i used a a technique in acupuncture where you could say it was a fenestration or a windowing or a creating holes in the in the sheath of the tendon okay and um it it's a a more traditional form of technique. It's not something that's used a lot in in Western acupuncture. But um, immediately the effects were immediate. It um, it relieved all of that squeaking sound as well as all the pain and all the limitation of movement. It happened quite instantly. Is
1: is that a similar technique that we were talking about that you did to me for my uh, uh, shin splint that I had that one day? Yeah, the yeah same and, idea. And it was sure enough, immediately it was gone.
2: Yeah, the saying uh, that I like in acupuncture is if you stick a pole in the ground, you see the shadow right away. Right you know you've had a good response to acupuncture if you feel results immediately. Yeah. I want to go back to the
0: fact that you ran into a blacksmith in <laughs> 2017. <laughs> what are you, a pioneer village for some reason? Hang around Mennonites there, <laughs> Dr. Greif? <laughs> <That's> like yeah, <laughs> like uh, a blacksmith. It's like th- Laura Ingalls. Thoroughbred th- racehorses. Oh, okay. So. okay, there you yeah. go. <laughs> i like, that's the part that caught me, right? Yeah, right. So right. there's more to it than just what we'd understand in the West of sticking needles into parts of your body, right? Yeah. There's more to it because that. that's what everyone thinks of acupuncture, little skinny needles sticking yeah. all over right
2: yeah, yeah. Th- that may I mean it, it does work yeah. um, even even if it's done kind of naively and without uh, you know it, it can be effective but it's a bit lucky mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're doing yeah for sure. um, you know someone with very it, 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 traditionally you would be an apprentice for maybe 15 or 20 years to a master Jeez. you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't do this out yeah. of the box it, it's right. something that is um, a very um, long tradition of, of learning and so on yeah. we've we've packaged it you know, into a neat um, Western course. model yeah. to yeah. be able to use it. Uh, and, you know, it's endorsed by the World Health Organization um, as a, an effective treatment with a low risk. Um, you know, the incidence of infection is extremely low, although, of course, if you're invading into the skin, mm-hmm. it's something that has to be taken into consideration. There has been a case here in Ontario that was uh, uh, quite um, prominently uh, portrayed uh, quite a few years back. Uh, but if you use sterile needles and you use clean technique, mm-hmm. um, the, you know there's extremely low incidence yeah. of, of any risk.
1: And, and, and most people practicing now, right now, it's all clean needles. They're all self-packaged. Once you're done with them, yeah, they're, they, they they're talk, being they're disposed. They're, you're not no. reusing those. Uh, uh, and similar to Dr. Greif, I actually practice acupuncture as well. Uh, I did more of what was called the medical contemporary acupuncture, which is that nice Western... Uh, approach. And just like Dr. Greif touched on that, even not really you know, knowing its full intent uh, a lot of research has suggested that putting a needle into the body does have a neurological effect it has mm. a hormone effect and it's those things that help the healing process uh, just from a very simple perspective and not even going even further now we're not encouraging people to stick needles in themselves uh, but definitely uh, acupuncture is something that we use a lot at the clinic and uh, we found to have great benefit with a lot of different problems. Is
0: it problems. many treatments you find or is it uh, just a couple it, it depends. I think. Yeah.
1: I think that's like anything, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that blacksmith. He felt better right away. I felt better when I had my shin splint. Uh, but it depends on the problem, right? Some problems can get better quickly and some problems take a little bit longer for sure.
0: Four one six eight seven oh sixty four hundred star six forty unsell is the number. Get to your phone calls after a short break. We got some open lines, you have some questions, discussions, we'd love to talk to you here on the Doctor Payne Show. Talk radio, AM six forty. Twelve twenty three we'll bounce over to call and continue our discussion on uh, on acupuncture with Doctor you here. Got uh, Sammy, hey Sammy, how are you?
11: Hey good morning. Thank you for taking my call, sure. doctor Uh listen I'm seventy three years old. I've been having this headache lately, big, big headache, and my both left, uh, re- uh, left and right ears, very, very itchy. And sometimes my left and my right arm, just a half, of, half of my arm, they go numb on me. Anyway, last Saturday I went to my Sinai because I don't have a family doctor. So I was examined by a doctor there. They did an X-ray on my head. So Tenga, when the doctor come back, he says there's nothing wrong with it. Everything's normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I be concerned about something?
1: Well, I think they probably did a CT scan and they were probably yes. looking for something like a stroke in progress or uh, something neurodegenerative in nature that can be picked up on that type of imaging. Uh, having said that, you still have a problem. You still have headaches that are causing these types of of symptoms, and a lot of times these things can also be consistent with things like migraines, uh, and yeah. uh, and so it is probably something that you should get checked further, uh, just because they can be pretty debilitating. Uh, and have someone who can look at uh, at um, at that and and try to figure out why this would be going on. Do you have anything, Doctor Greif?
2: You said you had itching in your ears. Do you also feel any pain around the jaw?
0: Or do you have any problem no, with chewing?
11: At not at all, doctor. No, just okay. like I said, my arms go numb on me
0: sometimes. Mm-hmm. What were you yeah. alluding to with the uh, pain in the jaw?
2: Oh well, is, is the uh, the the joints of the jaw, the, the right. temporomandibular joints, can also sometimes cause headaches. And when he said the itching in the ears, the uh, the jaw actually the joint sits right in front of the ear, and sometimes hmm. um, it's yeah. easy to yeah to miss that.
1: Yeah, and so a lot of these types of headaches do even even in migraine type of headaches there's a big musculoskeletal component that often exists with the dynamic of the neck, the jaw, uh the upper back and all the tension that's potentially created. So, um yeah, it's definitely something that we can take a look at and try to try to understand what's going on because at the end of the day I think the right thing was done. It's um you know, something that's life-threatening has kind of been ruled out. Uh, to some extent, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to have an effect on quality of life, uh, which is a lot of the issue with it, with pain. And maybe why sometimes it's not taken as seriously is because it's not often a question of the quantity of life, but the quality of life with pain management.
0: You know, we're talking about acupuncture before the phone call. And it's like, you know, Dr. Greif, every time, the, the few times I've had acupuncture, if it was say, some, you know, a pain in my lower back, that's where the needles went in. But then you see the chart on the wall, and you, there's a root, you know, they might put needles in your foot to affect something in your shoulder. What's the, what's the difference in treatments?
2: That's right. So there are many different ways to approach acupuncture right. and um, some of the traditional approaches uh, look at the channels. And so, like you said, if for a headache, sometimes there's a point in the foot that is yeah. very good for, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it relates to the liver channel, which ascends from the foot up to the head. And uh, it it can, I mean, according to that um, theory, can release that energy and, and help spread it around more freely.
0: Is it just as effective, Dr. Liu, to attack the actual area? Because that's where I've had it.
1: Well, I, I think the most effective is probably to, when, when we looked at it, we would often say, like, let's say we were dealing with a knee issue. Mm. Uh, and the way I would uh, learned it was you would treat the local area with needles. You would also treat the segmental area, so meaning what corresponding nerve roots would um, affect that area of the leg as well, as long as treating global points, points that were found to be uh, such that Dr. Greif's alluding to that are beneficial. Uh, there's some points that, yeah, whether it's in the hand or the foot, um, which it seems to be more often in the peripheries like ears, hands, feet, where uh, there's these global points that seem to be really good uh, for general pain. So so when, we, when I approach it as well from uh, that more medical standpoint, I try to tr- treat locally, segmentally, and also globally so i think that is uh probably a good way to go about it for sure are those needles
0: always going into muscle tissue
2: yeah essentially um yeah. The, you know the muscle covers your body pretty well yeah. so it's pretty hard to, to miss to miss it yeah <laughs> um however it's not always the target right there that's are, what i mean yeah okay you, you can... might go into a joint yeah. you might go a nerve yeah there are points actually that go underneath the uh the eyes like yeah. in, in the space under the eyes yeah.
0: David, we'll get to you quick here. i got about a minute. What's your concern?
12: Thank you. Yesterday I was at work, and I just got really, really dizzy that I couldn't hardly walk. Um, an ambulance came and mm, checked me over. They said they couldn't find anything wrong. So I was just wondering what the doctor's opinion is on that.
1: Uh, can you give me a little bit more history, David? Like uh, how old are you? What's been going on recently?
12: Well, I'm 48. That's never happened to me before. Okay. The first time, that's why it was so scary. Mm
2: -hmm.
12: Um, And I couldn't even drive my car. I had to get somebody to come here Mm -hmm. and drive the car for me.
2: What Mm -hmm. time of day was it?
12: Uh, Around uh, 2 o'clock.
2: Okay. Had you eaten uh, breakfast and lunch? Uh,
12: Well, yes. I had some breakfast and a little bit of lunch. Mm
1: -hmm. Was it uh, anything out of the ordinary from the diet perspective, or that's kind of the way you always eat?
12: Well, I did have um, a pastry from uh, um, a bakery big, big, close by here. I thought I'm not, I was thinking the cat maybe caused it was a coconut-based pastry. Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was just dizziness that you were feeling. Were there any other, uh, you know, symptoms that you had?
12: Uh, a lot of dizziness and really, really sleepy.
1: Really sleepy. And so, yeah. what did uh, the, the ambulance? Did they take you to the hospital, or they were just on site and and well, check? On,
12: on site, they just checked me out. They put the uh, those little. Uh, connectors on for my heart and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. and you took some blood. Yeah. The sugars.
1: I, I mean, my definite recommendation would be to follow up further and get some more testing. Dizziness could be the result of a lot of different things. Uh, and so you want to make sure that there's not something else going on. So I definitely right. think that it's uh, worthwhile to continually follow up and try to figure out what could have potentially been causing that.
0: Take a short break. 416 870 star 640 on your cell. you want to give us a call here till one o'clock in the Dr. Payne Show. Talk radio, AM 640. 1232 in the Dr. Payne Show till, uh, till one o'clock. You got something you want to talk about with Dr. Greif, yeah?
1: Yeah, so Dr. Greif uh, sits on the board for something called World Spine Care. And we're very familiar. We with you know things like heart and stroke mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, ride to conquer cancer things like that, but World Spine Care uh, is an initiative uh, uh, towards spine related problems. And I'll I'll let Dr. Greif talk about it a little bit more because I do think it is very important. We most people back pain is is something that affects you know oh, eighty yeah. percent of the population. So uh, you know significantly more than some of the other things that we often talk about.
2: Yeah. When, when we, um, look at uh, global burden of, uh, disease, uh, um, statistics, it's actually spine related disorders that disable more people or, or, or a greater cost mm-hmm. than any other factor. Wow. Uh, when you combine low back and neck pain together, you have the greatest, um, amount of global disability. Wow. So, and it's, it's, it's not sexy. It's not something that, uh, yeah. that gets a lot of attention, but, uh, a very, uh, A real visionary of a man, Dr. Scott Haldeman, Mm -hmm. um, who had been um, directing the Bone and Joint Decade Task Force Mm -hmm. for the World Health Organization, created a legacy project called World Spine Care, identifying uh, areas in the world that are basically underserviced or unserved for spine-related disorders, Mm -hmm. and um, has created a sustainable model of um, full primary, secondary, tertiary care for spine-related disorders. So everything from yoga classes through rehabilitation and surgery is available in places where there was previously no experience with treating these disorders. Mm -hmm. And people who otherwise depend on their bodies for their livelihood, people who who, uh, don't have desk jobs necessarily but work or survive because they're able to move and travel. So... Um, Back disorders can be a major impairment for these people. Um, Clinics uh, currently exist in uh, Africa, in India, and uh, in Dominican Republic, and the uh, World Spine Here Canada supports the Dominican Republic project. Okay. Um, We know that um, the Toronto Blue Jays have had a great uh, association with uh, the Dominican Republic, and um, the... Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College has also had a very good relationship um, with uh, the Dominican Republic and a doctor there. And uh, out of that, um, a clinic, a permanent clinic has been established to um, not only provide care, but to research, understand the effects of back pain on that population. Okay. And because the target is for places where there has not been previous care to see if we can create a model of care that exceeds what we expect Mm -hmm. in maybe developed parts of the world where we already have our habits and our routines Uh, create the best model of care possible. Right. And that's what world spine care is doing. Um, uh, Another part of the project is something called the global spine care initiative, Mm -hmm. which is the research branch of world spine care. And it's looking at understanding the best approach. If someone was to come in with back pain, it could be anything. You don't, you, don't you can't know. assume what yeah. it is. Um, it, and so what is the right approach to take for a patient who, who comes in and how can you most effectively and most efficiently provide that care? Um, I'm very proud and, and, uh, and happy that this does exist. Right. And, uh, as I had talked about earlier that, um, volunteering, can be a very healing effect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, World Spine Care does uh, expect all of its um, workforce to come from volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so we have um, chiropractors, physiotherapists, surgeons who are uh, volunteering their, their time right. um, to this. But it's beyond that as well. There's a scholarship branch to this as yeah. well. And local students from these areas... Uh, if they qualify, are given a full scholarship to mm. study. Awesome. Uh, there's been advanced surgical studies done um, for uh, a doctor from Botswana who is, who is now the first advanced spine surgeon wow. in that awesome. area. Uh, there are uh, two or three chiropractic students now who are uh, coming from Africa, who are in uh, Toronto, in in the States, yeah. studying on full scholarships to be able to go back and take over these clinics. And the other part, the sustainable part of this is that the governments where these clinics are set up will be responsible for continuing to run these clinics. Wow. In the meantime, for the first part of that uh, pilot project, it comes from donations. Mm-hmm. If anyone is wants to know more about this, mm-hmm. you can look at worldspinecare.org org. Okay, and just take a look and and see the marvelous work that's being yeah. done in this yeah, area. Yeah, I
1: think that's a a great initiative, and again, I, I agree totally with Doctor Greif that. Um, Again, because spine things don't often affect the quantity of life. When we talk about heart and stroke and cancer, we often will put a lot of money and effort towards things that. affect... No, I hear about them all the yeah, time. Yeah, and because there there is an effect on the quantity of people's lives. Which, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but you know, things like spine care, like you've suggested, uh, Doctor Greif, uh, the amount of. Of costs that it has on the population is so vast. I think I think even in you know in Canada and the U.S. Um, from a from a corporate standpoint, it's the it's the second most common cause for lost time of work, only behind the common cold. Wow. Right, so back related issues and neck related issues. It's something uh, that's so prevalent, right? I think it's eighty percent of the population at some point will experience back pain or some type of back pain. Uh, so it affects almost all of us uh and uh and i think there needs to be a good effort per, towards uh spine care spine management uh because it's 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 our backbone right it's literally fun but it's yeah. our backbone it's yeah. you, what keeps us together and so uh yeah i think it's a great initiative and again the the email address is what dr Greif? the
0: uh,
2: website is
1: uh or sorry website yeah, yeah worldspinecare.org
0: yeah awesome Donate and it's something that doesn't yeah, get, a lot, of, like, get a lot of play, a, right? Anything, yeah.
1: Any anything would help for sure. Anyone that's listening, if there's any interest, uh we'd appreciate it for sure.
0: We'll take a quick break, want to talk about next and backs. So a nice lead into it right there. We got open phone lines. You wanna give us a call, four one six eight seven oh sixty four hundred star six forty on sale to one o'clock. Doctor Payne show. Talk Radio, AM 640. 12.42, got open phone lines. Lots of time for you to call in until 1 o'clock this afternoon, and uh, we were just talking about uh, necks and spines, yep. and the uh, yep. statistics uh, you gave out as far as people that have suffered from some sort of uh, neck or spine, spine problem is pretty we, huge. Yeah, for right? sure.
1: Yeah, and, and they're the two most uh, uh, areas of complaint in the spine. Uh, mainly, the thoracic spine has the rib cage, which provides an inherent amount of stability, uh, which makes it less likely to, to be hurt than the low back and the neck, and then I believe the low back is more common than than the neck just because of gravity and weight on top of it, uh, but definitely um, two things that affect so many people, uh, especially with the type of lives that we live here in Western society where there's a lot of sitting, a lot of desk jobs, or even if it's a physical job, these are all things that can have an effect on the neck and uh, and the low back, and then, you know, when people come see us with uh, with neck and low back complaints, it's like Dr. Greif said, you don't know what it is. All you know at that point is it's pain. What's causing the pain? And so we we're looking at pain on a spectrum. And when we're looking at a low back, we're looking at a spectrum where we're thinking, okay, it could be something as benign as just a, a simple muscle moving towards more serious things like a disc herniation, or you could have even more serious things like cancer infections on a very on the on the other end of the spectrum, which again, we, we tend to in our office treat the things that are more towards the middle to the end, the benign area of the spectrum that you can treat from a musculoskeletal perspective. Uh, but we're, we're well equipped to look at somebody and determine where they sit on that spectrum and point them in the right direction, get them uh, to the right channels in order to figure out exactly what's going on so that you can come to a conclusion uh, and solve the problem. But um, it, it's not uncommon to have serious things going on and, and some of the first symptoms that people will feel is back pain. I have a actually a close friend of the family right now who uh, unfortunately is dying from uh, prostate cancer, but his first symptoms were back pain. Uh, And, uh, and that's what he thought it was. And, um, and again, we were able to kind of identify, it doesn't really seem like it's musculoskeletal in nature. And so you start that person down other avenues uh, to figure out what's going on. And, and, and you know, if you catch things early enough, that I think that's the key. But pain should not be something that's ignored. Uh, nor do I think that people should just have low back and neck pain and think that it just resolves on its own, because oftentimes it just resolves the wrong way. Do you agree with that, Doctor Greg?
2: Yes, and no. It's, well, yes and no. <laughs> um, there, there is a you know a, a self limiting nature to uh, episodes of back pain. Yeah. But um, if it becomes a uh, a bad habit of, of, you know, doing things that are they're that not helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that has to be some retraining involved. Yeah. Uh, some. Well, the other thing about the the self limiting nature of back pain, that it also has uh, a high rate of recurrence. Yeah. That if you've had back pain, there's a good chance you'll experience back pain again at some point. Oh sure. yeah. Yeah so it's good to know what to do about it and uh, professionals can help you to uh, understand the best way to... uh
0: to approach it, yeah. to address it. It's yeah. funny. I used to work at the uh, at the Sun. And it was a you know job where you're wearing work boots, you're on concrete all day. A lot of the guys in, the, in there ended up having either neck or lower back pain. And I remember a friend of mine years ago, he'll always stick with me. He said he was convinced that humans as a species, we stood up too damn fast. We should still be on four legs because everybody's got back pain, lower yeah. back pain. And even some dogs still have back pain. And even some dogs <laughs> still have back pain too. Got uh, Rachel in line. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hey, Rach.
8: Um okay so I got an epidural in June and they messed up on it. So my right thigh, I cannot feel it at all and just recently the past month both my left and my right side of my back I've been getting these piercing like pin needles in it. I went to a neurologist too and they couldn't figure out what was wrong.
2: Okay, Rachel, it sounds like there there was a little bit of nerve damage done. And yeah. um you know, there's a good chance, this was in June. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting close to a year and, uh, you know, there's a very, very good chance that it will gradually start to uh, resolve itself. Uh, I would say that in my experience, sometimes, um, some acupuncture or other forms of electrotherapy can help to, uh, to stimulate the, um, the sensation to come back. Have you tried anything like that?
8: Um, when I went to the neurologist, they um, put um, like pins type thing inside of my nerves. Yes. But I couldn't do that. Like I did one or two sessions, and it it hurt me. Like it was very painful.
2: Were they doing it to measure the uh, nerve conduction? They or?
8: did. Yeah, they did that, and they figured that like I didn't have any feeling in my upper thigh. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So did they find that there was um, also uh, a change in the nerve conduction uh, through the testing? Like do they, uh, Did they recognize nerve damage there?
8: Uh, yes, they did recognize there was damage in, in right. like my upper side, but my back, they they couldn't figure out anything there.
2: Right. Okay. I would say that, you know, it would probably be a good idea to have some uh, therapy uh, applied, whether it's mm. massage, acupuncture, uh, yeah. chiropractic, something that... Um,
1: More of a you, physical type of...
2: Yeah, therapy. movement, something to, to stimulate your, your body recovery.
1: Yeah, for sure.
8: Okay. Would you think that I could get some kind of feeling back in my upper thigh or do you think that could be like permanent damage?
2: There's a good possibility you'll get sensation back. It's, I can't guarantee it, but there's a good chance that you will. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you want to call
0: the number just in case? Sorry. Would you see her? Yeah, she, so, she's more yeah. than
1: welcome to come in. Yeah. one 55 doctor Lou, Uh, we can take a look at it if, uh, uh, the, through the provider network that I have across the GTA. If uh, if our clinic's not convenient, we can also get her somewhere else. But yeah, for sure. you know A lot of these things do require uh, some... People often will... This is not uncommon to hear this, where people have something and they stop kind of dead in their tracks where they're like, mm. okay, what else can I do? There's always options. And right. uh, with spine-related complaints, again, I'm biased because I'm a chiropractor myself, but um you know that's that's our forte that's what we're we're really good at is spine related complaints
0: getting down the last few minutes here so you still got some time to call through if you'd like I'd like to hear from you 416-870-6400 star 640 on sale. dr pain show talk radio am 640 Twelve fifty two, few more minutes to go here till uh, just before one o'clock this two-hour version and two-hour edition of the dr Payne show loving it got uh, aaron on the line hello aaron Hi. All right, what's, uh, what's your concern?
13: So um, I have a degenerative jaw, uh, jaw disease um, where the bones um, um, are disintegrating, basically. Um, it started, it's a very long story. Um, first noticed it when I was 13, it kept getting worse. Um, when I was a young adult in my early 20s, um, it started to get worse. The pain started to impact my day. I went and saw a specialist. Uh, and I'm doing air quotes. (laughs) Mm. After three years with him, he um, put splints in my mouth that I wore 24-7, and he stretched out my lower jaw so far that my discs actually snapped. Mm. Um, And so now I have this um, disorder that just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, I've had three arthroscopic surgeries. Mm. Um, I'm seeing a surgeon um, at Mount Sinai. Um, I go to the Wasser Pain Clinic, although it hasn't been very effective. Um, My last surgery um, was an emergency in November when I went to the dentist and my jaw dislocated. So he had to bring me in the next week to get it fixed up. Um, After I saw him, he told me that um, the damage in my jaw was much worse than he had expected and that he felt the only thing that could help was a total joint uh, replacement surgery. Which is very risky and um, is only a fifty fifty success rate from the information that I can gather he 's a very conservative doctor and has always told me from the very beginning that he would only do that if it was an absolute last resort right so now i 'm really scared um, mm-hmm. and although I completely trust my surgeon um, i don 't know where to go for a second opinion. Um, it rules my life, the pain you know the the jaws the most used joint in your body and um, the pain is incredible I'm, I'm on a lot of high doses of medications um, medications affect me um, in a very odd way and um, it takes very high doses to get any relief so I'm at a fork in the road and I mm-hmm. don't know where to go to get any help in Peterborough we don't even have a pain clinic
2: okay yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> once, once you've had all these interventions, it, it does become very complicated. Yes. Yeah. And um, well, one thing I, I would just note is, um, you you seem to at least be speaking well. That yes, your jaws, you I'm know, I'm funct-
13: Talking with my teeth shut. <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay. Uh, so, are you eating any solid foods?
13: Um, no, I'm on a soft food diet yeah. as much as I can. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah there there may be there you know I mean you're in, under the care of a surgeon that and that may be your best um alternative at this point mm-hmm. um but there's another side of it, and that is just finding a way to be comfortable with your jaw and there are some um cognitive behavioral techniques and other postural techniques that could be helpful mm-hmm. to just let you relax your jaw when when it's not in use yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you've had anyone work with you on those sorts of things. Yeah.
13: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So surgery right now feels like it's the only option because everything else I've tried, um, even the things that have been effective, are now only effective
2: to a certain point. Yeah. I would say use whatever is effective that you've learned to this point. Continue to use them. They'll be useful for you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can get relief with surgery and the surgeon is willing to try it, and, yeah. you know, that that might be your best option. And today.
1: especially if he's been if he is very conservative and has always said that it would be a last resort if yeah. he's getting to the point where he thinks that uh, it sounds like that's a prudent type of doctor who's, yeah. you know, hasn't just jumped to that and said, no, let's do surgery that, you know, yeah. unfortunately, sometimes uh, that's the only answer that's left. So, uh, yeah, that that may be your best option. Might there. take the leap, right? Yeah.
13: Yeah. Sure. yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a scary thing, just because it's not a very, um, from what I can find, it's not a very research topic, and mm-hmm. I also seem to be skimming over any proper diagnoses. like The yeah. only thing I have to write on my insurance paperwork, etc., is severe degenerative jaw and bone disease, right. um, and when I search up, you know, I see things like idiopathic clondyle reduction and, and all these other things, but... That's never been applied to me, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if if we're missing any treatments because different diagnoses haven't been applied. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't. I don't know. Is there anyone that you know of um, in the area, from here to Toronto, that? Um, specializes in this and and could give a second opinion or consult.
2: I do know of someone, but you you know what? I don't have the information with me. If you want to call give us a Dr. Liu, I yeah. will I will look into it. I will get you the information. Yeah.
0: Aaron, I appreciate that call. The number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou. So take us home, man. Let's, yeah, uh,
1: no. Let's... For anybody listening that wasn't able to get through, as you always, have... uh, you can call the one eight five 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 Doctor Lou number. Free consultation, similar to what we do here. Just a quick conversation. If there's anything I can do to help, I'm happy to try. Um, and and that's pretty much it. It's uh, the first leap in any healthcare issue is, is that you take the initiative and just making that phone call is is often an initiative that shows you want to get better. So go ahead and give me a call. I'll get back to you within 48 hours.
0: Thanks, Dr. Greif, for uh, coming on the show today. We're back next week here in the Dr. Payne Show. Talk radio, AM 640.